Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Minogue from OpenView's expansion team, where I help software startups accelerate their revenue growth to build long-lasting companies. This season on Build, we're talking about product-led growth. Each week, I'll speak with tech executives and founders to hear firsthand how they've leveraged a product-led growth model to put product at the center of their acquisition, conversion, and expansion strategies. Now on with the show. Today, we're going to talk about all things growth marketing. From the strategies to the tactics, you'll hear how to acquire customers more efficiently than ever. I'm joined by Eric Sue, CEO of Single Grain, a performance marketing agency that has helped the fastest growing tech companies, including Uber and Amazon. Eric, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, Ashley, thanks for having me. So you're no stranger to podcasts. You've started not one, but two of your own. Yeah, so I've, I've been doing podcasts for, I think, coming up on five years. So I have one where I interview nerd out with entrepreneurs uh, every week called Growth Everywhere. And the other one called Marketing School, which I do with my, my buddy, Neil Patel. And we just nerd out on marketing every single day. That one's coming up on, I think we just hit our two-year anniversary. So yeah, I love podcasts. Wow, that's great. So I guess tell our listeners besides podcasts, what else do you do? Yeah, single grain. I mean, like you mentioned, we're a performance marketing agency, mainly do paid advertising and a lot of search engine optimization stuff like the Ubers and the Amazons of the world. And then I also have a SaaS SEO tool, just think A-B testing for SEO called ClickFlow. And yeah, those are the the two main things I I focus on, I guess, in addition to the podcasts. That's great. So you have your hands in a lot of things, but definitely working with a lot of fast growing tech companies. And as you know, the inspiration for this season on builds was spurred by the rise of product led businesses. So we've noticed the fastest growing SaaS companies all have this very similar go to market model that's relying heavily on the product itself to drive not only acquisition, but also conversion. And I imagine you're probably seeing more of this trend in your clients. So how has this impacted your marketing work? Yeah, so I guess I can speak to kind of what we're doing on the client side. Um, I guess even before that, when I think about ClickFlow, which is it's been out for a little bit. Interestingly enough, we never intended it for it to get clients for the agency because it's a separate entity, different business partners. And what, what started happening was, you know, we started sending out cold emails for ClickFlow and then people got to check it out. And then they started asking for agency help, right? So, you know, that, that's an example of, of kind of product first strategy in, in terms of driving growth. And I was like, wow, okay. That's cool. And then you, 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 you're going to have other people, or, or I guess you've had other people on this podcast that can talk to it a little more deeper. So I'll let them speak to it. But for clients, what we've been seeing is a lot of heavy focus on content and SEO. And that's been working out really well in terms of, I'm happy to speak a little more about it, but uh, the same playbook that we've been executing for, you know, the, like the clients that we've mentioned, it's worked across the board. So we've, we've taken sites that have gotten zero visits a month to over 2 million visits a month, some up to 45 million visits a month. And even for our own, like we keep applying the same strategies, our traffic continues to grow. Like we're talking 15 to 20% month over month. We're seeing more and more of it. You know, people don't want to continue to rely on the, the hamster wheel of paid advertising. So they're either building out products to drive growth or, you know, they're, they're putting a lot more dollars into content and SEO to kind of build their own defensible moat. For sure. So can you talk a little bit about how you start to get this content engine off the ground and start to build real buzz around your your company or your product using content as the main lever? Yeah, you know what's interesting? So the first podcast I mentioned, Growth Everywhere. So I, I guess this is kind of the, like, the lesson applies to business as well. But the first year, I mean, I was doing all the recording, the show notes, everything. I was doing it all by hand. And, you know, that like each episode would, would, would cost me like six hours or so. I did it for the entire year. And after the first year, I was only getting nine downloads a day. 
And I was like, man, that sucks. But you know, I, I kept it going because some people would tweet at me, you know, would email me saying like, I don't know why you don't get more downloads or this doesn't have more reviews, but this is, you know, this has changed my life. And for me, selfishly, I was able to get, you know, a lot of kind of insights from other entrepreneurs. So I did it for another year. And after the second year, I was only getting 30 downloads a day. Right. But I just kept at it because I was learning so much. I was like, this is, you know, the downloads aren't icing on the cake. And so I just kept going at it. Eventually, you know, that podcast, you know, now we're up to about a hundred thousand dollars a month, which led me to the other podcast, which gets about $720,000 a month. So the first lesson is boring for people, but it's like, you just keep at it. Most people say, you know, this content marketing thing, this SEO thing, like, oh, you know, we've tried it, you know, and I'm like, okay, how long did you do it for? Oh, three to six months. And people are just impatient, Mm -hmm. which is why they want to put the dollars toward paid advertising and they just want to see returns really quickly. And especially when you raise funding from people, I mean, that's kind of what's expected and that that's fair. Right. So I I can speak to, you know, a it's, it's patience. But the other thing is a lot of people forget about, you know, they always say it's six to seven times more expensive to try to acquire a new customer. You're better off trying to retain your current customers. And so it's like, okay, well, why don't we just apply that to marketing too? Instead of trying to create, you know, content, 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 content all the time, like new stuff all the time. Why don't we just try to make the most of what we have? And then you're going to see the content grow. And I'm telling you, like the last couple of months, we've just been focused on kind of making the most of what we have already, tending to our garden, updating pieces of content, consolidating pieces of content, you know, doing ongoing link building. That's why our traffic continues to grow. And it's that it's part of the, the, the same playbook for our clients because we're not just producing new content. We have a process for continually making the most of what we have. What happened, I'll give you an example, is one of the, the blog posts that we had was getting about 700 visits a month. And then we decided, hey, you know, it's a little out of date. Let's, let's go ahead and remove some content. Let, let's add like two more paragraphs. And so what happened was that went from 700 visits a month to 2,800 visits a month. It's like, oh, that's interesting. So we did the same thing a couple months later. It jumped up to 5,400 visits a month. And then we did the same thing again. And now, now that post is up to 10,000 visitors a month and just for one blog post and it ranks for a couple thousand keywords. So I'm telling you, you know, th- this is something anybody can do because if you look at Wikipedia, you look, look at Yelp, you look at TripAdvisor, Wikipedia is the best example here because that their, their pages are constantly being updated. Like you look at Abraham Lincoln in 2007, 13,000 words. In 2011, it jumped up to like, you know, 18,000 words or so and just kept getting bigger and bigger. So if that formula works for them, why can't you just take it and apply it to what you do? For sure. It's so interesting because as some of you may know out there, OpenView produces a ton of written content as well. We produce a new piece of content every day on our website labs. But more recently, we've been thinking about ways to repackage it to better serve our readers. So whether that's compiling series of individual pieces as an ebook or even as a written book that we can mail out to people, we're constantly thinking about how we can also repurpose our content to better serve our audience. Love so it. certainly resonates. So let's talk about the intersection of marketing and product, right? So for a lot of product-led businesses, the lines between those two departments are definitely blurring. And honestly, it's resulting in what I think most people would call more of this growth hacking approach. So what does growth hacking mean to you? Yeah, this is interesting. I think in 2012, when I was leading growth and I heard about, I heard about this term, I was like, oh, I want to be a growth hacker. Right. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so cool. And then, you know, I remember one of the markers like, dude, growth hacking is just marketing. I was like, okay. As, as, and I realized like kind of as, as I do this stuff more and more, I think the best way to define growth hacking is just 
pulling levers to drive small or, or big changes in growth. And I'm, I'm happy to give a couple examples, but one that I can remember just is when I worked at this, this one online education startup was we were producing a ton of video content and it's just like, okay, like what can we do to, to make the most of that? Kind of going back to the, you know, making the most of what you have again. Um, so we're like, okay, why don't we just transcribe all the video content? So back in, you know, 2012 or so, it's like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, big time because Google can crawl all of the video content in text form. And then our traffic jumped up, I think 20 or 25% or so. So little, little changes like that, you're not always going to get 20 to 25%, but sometimes you pull a little lever and you get, you know, 1% lift or 2% lift and you just keep doing that over time and you start to get, you know, really big compounding changes. For sure. And that applies to acquisition or even signup flows that a, a given business mm-hmm. might have. What are a couple other growth hacking tips that you've seen work well for your clients and might be experiments worth testing for those who are listening? Yeah. So I think that one is, so Pinterest came out with this post a couple of years ago about um, kind of A-B testing for SEO, which is kind of the, one of the, the you know impetus ideas for ClickFlow. So page title, meta description testing is one of the biggest things that you can do, assuming you're getting at least, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 visits a month from Google. And I'm, I'll give some other tips for those that aren't quite there yet. But just doing that, you can literally just use Google Search Console, go in there, look at the pages that have a high impression count, but a low click-through rate. So what that just basically means is Google is showing your page, but your title or your meta description isn't doing a good job of bringing people to click on the result, which is bringing people to the point of sale, which is just marketing 101. So page title meta description testing, I think, is one big thing that a lot of people can do. I can tell you one of our ClickFlow users has been doing that pretty aggressively. His traffic jumped up about 80,000 visits a month. And for him, it's pretty substantial. So you don't have to use ClickFlow. You can just use Google Search Console, use an Excel sheet, and then you should be able to kind of track your progress. Another one is on the, the marketing school podcast I do with Neil. So a couple of years back, I had this senior living website. I decided to, you know, buy some other websites that were ranking pretty well, you know, had good domain authority. You know, I, I just wanted the, the traffic I wanted because our site was brand new, the, the senior living site that we had. So I was like, okay, I wonder what we can do in terms of like buying other websites, right? So I did that and I told Neil about it on an episode. And then he literally, the next week we're recording again. And he's like, oh, I, I just spent $250,000 buying a, a website. And this is not really relatable to a lot of people, but I, I'm just telling you, like he did that, and then that ultimately helped him, you know, drive. He, he ended up buying a tool, and it got him more mindshare, which is what he's trying to do. But it also got him kind of the domain authority that comes with that website that comes through. So from an SEO perspective, you know, it gave him a little, probably gave him a little bump as well. So I think you can buy other websites for mindshare and also to spurt growth. You know, a lot of people, you're seeing a lot more, you know, M&A activity, but I think this is an opportunity too. It's not just necessarily buying businesses, but just, you know, buying the site sometimes, even by themselves and not necessarily the business. For sure. Great point. What about on the flip side? I'm sure you've either at companies you've worked at or clients you've helped, you've probably experimented with some things and it didn't quite go the way you thought it would. So what's an example of something you've tested, but didn't pan out? You know what the thing is? I mean, the stuff that doesn't pan out eventually, like it does pan out. Maybe I'm just trying to buy myself some time right now, but I'm, I'm even thinking though. about, Yeah, I'm thinking about the, like, so right now we're really working through, actually, this is a big opportunity for people too, like running webinars and people are like, oh, the, like, duh, Eric. But like the way I see people in, in tech, especially in, in SaaS, how they run webinars, there's just a big opportunity there because they can actually run evergreen webinars where if they have, they've gotten a webinar to a point where it's, it's high converting, why not just switch it to an evergreen webinar and drive traffic there, right? So that's a big opportunity and, and I've seen it work for a lot of people. In fact, one guy bootstrapped his company to over $100 million in revenue called ClickFunnels and they're beating out all the other people, you know, their competitors right now. So my point of saying this is that 
right now we're trying out this, this, this webinar sequence and it's gone through like a lot of iterations. Like the first one didn't work, but it was, you know, I felt pretty good about it. Did a second one, did a third one, did a fourth one. Now we're doing a fifth one tomorrow. And I, I think we have it just about nailed down. And it often just takes a long time to, to kind of, you know, get it working to tweak it. Right. Cause it's, you're not going to build a repeatable machine in one day or even one week for us, it's taking like five weeks or so. And it's probably going to take us like another, you know, three weeks. So I guess two months all in to, to figure this stuff out. So when I think back to the, the, the biggest failures that we've had, I can't really recall anything off the top of my head at the moment, but maybe it'll come to me and then I might just stop you in the middle. For sure. And I think the lesson there is you test something, not everything is going to work. You isolate what lever or what variable, you know, seems to be the leading indicator of what isn't working and then try changing that and keep experimenting. It's exactly that. And so actually that, that you just got me to um, remember. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but literally it's, it's what you just said, right? Cause a, a couple of years ago, like when the, the bot craze came out, like everyone's like, Oh, we got to build a bot. We got to build a bot. Right. And so, you know, we ended up building a bot, but you know, we spent like, I don't know, 40, 50 grand or so. And it, it ended up going nowhere, but that actually led to the idea of, of click flow. Right. So you know, it was a failure in the beginning. The bot was a failure, but you know, all these steps lead up to the next thing. Same thing with marketing school and growth everywhere. Like it was a failure basically for two years. I probably should have shot it the, after the first year, but you keep it going and it eventually leads on to, to good things. So for me, I think it's always just a step of, of, of the journey. I know it's like I'm, I'm saying some rah-rah stuff, but uh, that's how I genuinely feel. So in addition to growth hacking or conversion marketing, we're also seeing an uptick in brand marketing as well, right? Product-led companies recognize brand awareness among users is critical to ignite virality. And I think Slack or Drift are great examples of this. So what are some of the best tactics you've seen to increase brand awareness while still staying cost-efficient? Yeah. So I think that the fact that we're on a podcast right now and the fact that, you know, I have two, and I think that the two companies you mentioned both drift for sure has a podcast. I think Slack might also have one as well. So podcasts are, are really natural because the first thing that come to mind, because I just think about uh, all the opportunities that have come through podcasting. Right. So let me give you an example. I was at Saster earlier this year and I was just walking and a guy pointed at me and he's like, Hey, podcast guy. And so like, I turned to him and I was like, you know, Hey, you know, nice to meet you. My name's Eric. And we, we, you know, we talked, uh, you know, exchanged information and, and things like that, but I, I never really thought anything of it. Right. Well, what happened was just like a couple of weeks ago, he reached out and he's like, Hey, like, you know, Eric, great meeting you at Saster. So we got this 150 grand, uh, 200 grand to spend per month on marketing. And so like that, that's the power of it, right? Like it does, you know, get you ROI. People always ask me like, what's the ROI of, of podcasting? But like, other than that, like, you know, I, I was speaking in Amsterdam last year at a conference and this was during Q and A and, you know, this girl raises her hand and she's like, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, um, frankly, Eric, like, you know, I'm really happy that you're here and I listen to your podcast in the shower and then everyone just started laughing. Right. But it's like, you're able to build this intimacy that like when you do a video, like a YouTube video, for example, like somebody, they might be watching and then they might take out their phone and do something else. But when you're doing a podcast, the attention is focused on you mainly, right? You know, someone might be cooking or at the gym or whatever, but it's mainly focused on you. That's why I think it's so powerful. And that's why podcast advertising is, is the cost per thousand impressions is more expensive than, you know, other advertising platforms right now, just because the attention is so highly valued. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said of catching people outside of their traditional office environment. Like you're getting them focused and thinking about work, but they have a little bit more freedom to think if they're, you know, maybe walking outside on their way to the train or, you know, on their way to the gym or you name it. 
Totally. Yeah. And, and the podcasting, like, I think everyone, you know, I'm not necessarily saying like everyone needs to do a podcast or blog or whatever, but I think everyone needs to be producing content in some way, shape or form. So I think everyone, the, the one recommendation I would have is for people to establish kind of what their content foundation is, whether, you know, they start with a webinar first and that webinar becomes something where they can repurpose multiple topics into blog posts and then into, you know, maybe other podcast episodes. But a lot of people are doing this now, right? Like, you know, use the, the Gary V's of the world, they produce like a podcast and it becomes comes all this other stuff, right? So I think starting with the content foundation first, podcasts are great, webinars are great, they're very scalable. And then from there, you, you're basically able to, to scale it out and really make a machine. Because if, if I'm able to, you know, build multiple podcasts up to, you know, six figure plus downloads, I think anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. It's a great success story. So many tech companies, as you know, tend to blindly adopt a grow at all cost mentality, right? There's this interesting phenomenon with people becoming addicted to growth and thinking that they need mm -hmm. to grow at all costs. So yep. how do you encourage the clients you work with to think about growing quickly, but not doing it just recklessly? That's a really good question. I think it's a, well, it's a, it's a big question for sure. When I was at that one startup, you know, I was really enamored with Facebook and, you know, we had some really good engineers. The, the whole team was really good. I was just like, grow, grow, grow. You know, the, the, the VCs, like we had some pretty big name VCs that backed us and it was just like, grow at all costs. It's, you know, you got to grow whether it's like, you know, 7% week over week or whatever. Right. And then you realize like it, it starts to, that's okay but it starts to exhaust people. And I remember I was at a conference earlier this year, listening to a guy talk from, from China. And he's like, you know, the, the Chinese have this saying, I think it's seven, seven, nine or something like that. So here's what it means. It's they work seven days a week and they work for nine hours a day. I think I'm missing the other number, but anyway, he basically his point that he was trying to get across was that, Hey, you know, they've got this grow at all cost mentality that, you know, that the people in, in Asia right now, and you're not going to outwork them, right? The, 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 the work mentality is the work ethic is just really insane. And I, I think I can kind of apply that to, you know, this grow at all cost mentality. Like you can do it. Sure. But eventually you're going to burn out and you're going to get exhausted. So I, I've, I've done that before. And I, I've like, I was working seven day weeks and. You know, now it's like what I've found growing the podcast and then everything else that I've managed to grow over time, like I'm good at the slower kind of, you know, sustainable growth. And I feel like, you know, when you are, when you're at a grow at all cost mentality, most businesses aren't set up for that. It's not, most people aren't building a Facebook. And when you are going to grow really fast, a lot of times it's easy come, easy go. Like you might grow it to, you know, 20, $30 million a year in revenue and it might just shoot to nothing. So I find that, you know, executing on a playbook and it just, for me, I love doing content marketing because I like educating people and it also holds me accountable to being able to articulate and, and continue to learn. So that's worked out well. And it's this, the same playbook we've kind of, you know, executed on for our clients over and over and over. And when you build a really good content foundation, yes, you're going to grow over time, but also at the same time, it, it drives your advertising costs down because you've got your own audience now. So I think, you know, this all comes back down to the content again. And that's why we always tell people when we're talking to clients, it's like, Hey, like, you know, we're not trying to build a Facebook here. Let's be realistic with your goals and let's go for, you know, let, let's aim for a number, right? Are we going for 5% month over month growth? 10% month over month, maybe 20%. Let's set a number, let's align with that. And then let's execute on a playbook. Let's make a playbook for you. And then uh, let's grow for the long term. Love that. So all about aligning what your goal is, what is your target and getting people laser focused on that. Right. So we've talked a lot about content. We've talked about podcasts. What are some other areas that you see people investing in from a growth marketing perspective that mm -hmm. you'd encourage our listeners to experiment with? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much chatbots have been talked about on this podcast, but I mean, using a tool like, uh, there's a couple out there, but you can use ManyChat and then use Facebook Messenger. So ManyChat ties in with Facebook Messenger and allows you to kind of send like automated, think of it like you're sending an email sequence. So like you're creating a funnel in there. And what we found is that, you know, we're, we're continually building our, our Facebook kind of subscriber list. Our open rates are 80 to 90% or so, sometimes a little higher. And then the click-through rates are, you know, 20 to 30% or so, which is much higher than email because with email marketing, you're getting, you know, 15 to 20% click-through rates or open rates, I should say. And then click-through rates might be one or 2% or so. So it's much lower. And when you have engagement as high as this, it's a really good opportunity to, to take advantage. Um, and a lot of people aren't doing it. The other thing I'll say is, I think videos, more and more people are building video teams. I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere. But, you know, when you, for us, we, we started our video team about a year and a half ago, I think. And we started putting videos on YouTube and then the channel has been slowly growing. But what we found is that, you know, it's videos are really easy to repurpose. Like we throw it on Instagram stories. We throw it on Instagram TV. We throw it on LinkedIn, for example. And we get a lot of feedback and just more content for us to publish. So I think video is a big opportunity, especially because... When you run video ads using YouTube, the costs are so cheap right now. Like everyone talks about Facebook ads, but YouTube is still the second largest search engine in the world. I and mean, I think that's a big opportunity for people to jump in on. Love that tip. So I'm definitely noticing a common theme here of developing content as your foundation, but then always thinking about how you can amplify your reach by repurposing it and using it across channels. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it was Bill Gates that said this, like in the nineties, he said like, you know, everybody's going to be a media company in, I don't know, X amount of years, but that's reality. Like OpenView is a media company, right? And I think what we're doing is a media is, is like, you know, very media company ish as well. So as we think about looking ahead, growth marketing and marketing in general, any trends or predictions that you have for the remaining months of the year or even leading into next year? Well, I think when I look at, uh, I guess I'll give an extra little um, bonus here. So with voice, <laughs> with voice, I mean, Amazon just came out with um, Amazon Poly, and that allows you to basically transcribe like your entire, or not transcribe, but make all your your the content on your website into audio form. So I think we're going to start to see more and more of that. You know, more more and more people are talking about voice search, and I, I think it's it's still pretty nascent right now, but it, it's it's getting you know bigger and bigger. So I, I think that's a nice opportunity. And then what else? And I, I think, you know, you're, you're going to have these other people come on from the, like the, the HubSpots of the world or the drifts of the world. I do think you're going to see more and more people just either acquiring tools or building their own tools as a way of driving more growth. For sure. Well, Eric, it was such a pleasure having you on here. It was great to hear your perspective and we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can subscribe to our newsletter that is sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators and founders every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Or you can follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture. Until next time.